What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today podcast. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Dave Richard. We're uh, Adam Azer less, so hopefully you'll enjoy it because uh, we're happy not to have Adam for a little bit. Uh, obviously, I'm joking. We miss Adam. We hope uh, he's enjoying his time off, well deserved, and uh, hopefully he'll be back rested and ready to go for the uh, remainder of the offseason when he eventually does come back. Who knows when that will be? Dave, how you doing? Did you enjoy the? Uh, Super wild card weekend, lots of upsets, lots of fun games. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the game that I was looking forward to delivered, that was Ravens at Titans. But to a degree, not not every game delivered. Let's face it, the Saints-Bears game was pretty boring. But the Browns upending the Steelers was a surprise. The Rams hanging around and, and beating Seattle, that was a surprise. I think the Colts made it a real good game with Buffalo. That was one of my favorite games of the weekend. It was a great weekend. It was super indeed. Uh, and as for Adam, hope he's enjoying the paternity leave. I'm starting to think maybe I should have more kids. <laughs> uh, yes, they definitely have uh, treated us well at CBS with our paternity leave. Uh, Adam getting the benefit of that for sure. So what we're going to do today is we're going to recap the uh, super wild card weekend. We're also getting into some of our positional rankings for 2021, have some fun debates. And uh, Dave, one thing I think that we're going to, uh, you know, spend a lot of time obviously is, uh, you know, what went into our top 12s um, sure. at each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Uh, you could read about all of the rankings and sort of uh, get a better visual of it on cbsports.com. But what was the toughest player you had to rank for 2021, regardless of position? The toughest player I had to rank. Hmm. You know who was tough for me, James, was Aaron Rodgers, who amazing year in 2020, Averaged right around 29 fantasy points per game, but I remember how bad he was. Uh, he still finished as a top 12 quarterback in 2019 and 2018, but I know he wasn't nearly as consistent and ser seriously not as explosive as he was in 2020. And we've got all these other quarterbacks that have all kinds of upside. And so you got this old man amongst the group. How high do you rank Aaron Rodgers where you don't feel like you're reaching for him? Because obviously he's got potential to be a top five quarterback again, but he's also got potential to fall into the 10 to 12 range, which we've seen in 2018 and 2019. He was tough for me. What about you? Uh, he's number eight for you, just to give people some context. He was five for me, uh, four for Heath and Chris, who I think you might see his rankings in 2021 on the site, also had him at five. So you're the low guy on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's tough. Obviously, it's... Uh, it's a guy who's 37 years old. He had two games this season, only two under 23 fantasy points. So Amazing. we'll see how he finishes with the playoffs. We'll see what offseason moves the Packers make. Obviously, some talk about, you know, improving their second wide receiver, which has been the talk for the last couple of seasons. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, Aaron Jones is a big storyline to keep an eye on as well to see what they do with their backfield. But uh, we'll get into some of these rankings disputes. For me, a tough one was not necessarily in terms of putting him in the running back rankings, but it was really more for the top 12 overall was James Robinson. And just not knowing what the overall offense is going to look like in Jacksonville, who's going to be the head coach, the play caller that matters. I do like the fact that they are interviewing Arthur Smith. So if you are a James Robinson fan, you certainly know what Arthur Smith has done with the running game in Tennessee. He's the offense coordinator there for those of you that don't know. So if they do bring in Arthur Smith, that's great for James Robinson. But we also have to see what kind of competition they bring in for James Robinson, because I think their hand was kind of forced a little bit to use him as much as they did, because Chris Thompson is not necessarily the best complimentary guy. They lose uh, Reichwell Armstead. They lose Divino Zigbo. They didn't have, you know, really 
a solid second guy. So if they address that position with a significant player, then that could be a problem for Robinson. But if they don't, then he's in a great spot. He's definitely going to be drafted in the first 15 overall picks. I think as of right now, at least that's what the, we've seen in the two mock drafts that we've done. And I can say that because I took him in both mock drafts in the top 15 overall picks. So we'll spend some time talking about those mock drafts. Also some of our rankings here, but let's get into some of the games uh, as we recap what happened over wildcard weekend. Also get into the news and notes, but please make sure to watch us on YouTube and OTT. You can watch the full length podcast on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash fantasy football today, or you can watch on demand on the CBS sports app on all your OTT devices. Go to CBS sports, go to the CBS sports app and scroll down until you see all of our wonderful faces, Dave Heath, Myself, Adam, and uh, hopefully we will en- entertain you and enlighten you on the upcoming 2021 season, give you some DFS plays for the playoffs, which we'll do throughout the week here on our podcast. And uh, also coming up, we have our award show on Tuesday, January 12th. You can go ah. to the Facebook group, go to facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy football today. Again, that's facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy football today. Vote for our award show. We'll give you the winners of the best waiver wire pickup, the fantasy MVP, all the awards that we gave you the nominations for last week. We'll give you those winners on tomorrow's show. So, Dave, we got some interesting news and notes that happened throughout the course of the weekend, some of it playoff-related to injuries to keep an eye on when it comes to maybe your playoff challenge lineups or some DFS plays for the upcoming weekend. Ronald Jones did not play against the Washington football team. His uh, quad injury that I guess had been bothering him throughout the week was uh, re-aggravated right before the game. And Leonard Fournette comes in, has four catches, over 90 yards rushing, scores a touchdown. Is he going to be a very popular DFS option taking on the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round? He's definitely going to be one on DraftKings. His price is 4900 and he's delivered three times value on that in three of his past four games. But obviously, it's contingent on Ronald Jones and whether or not he plays. And look, the Saints defense, they did a great job of containing David Montgomery, I guess. Montgomery had like 12 touches. I don't think he had a catch. I don't know what the Bears no, are thinking. One target, no catches. That's ridiculous. I, Matt Nagy lost his mind. We'll talk about the game in a little bit. But, but going into the game, they allowed like six touchdowns to running backs in their previous four, five yards per carry. They, they really – I'm not convinced that they're back to being that shut-down run defense that we saw earlier in the year. and That went back to last year and even the year before that as far as allowing 100-yard games. If Fournette is the only guy – I'd like to think that he's got a chance to help people in DFS. So, yes, I think he'll be popular, and especially on DraftKings. FanDuel, I looked. I don't think they've got a, a four-game slate on FanDuel. They do. I apologize for it. I saw on the, the Sunday two-game slate, his price was, um, I have it right here, 6300 It's a little rich in a half PPR. I, I'm not sure if I'd feel good starting him in that situation. And we'll find out if they have LaShawn McCoy back as well. He was not active uh, dealing with an illness, so... If McCoy plays, maybe they give him a little bit more work. Keyshawn Vaughn will obviously take on some of the work as well. But great opportunity for Fournette. And Bruce Arian said it was the best that he looked all season. So uh, encouraging for Fournette, who needs to put some good games on film as he heads into what is a very big offseason for him. Zach Moss may not play for the remainder of the postseason. He was carted off with an ankle injury. And so this was a backfield that was very thin as well. Going into the game, they didn't have TJ Yeldon, who was inactive. And so uh, Devin Singletary looks to be... Uh, you know, the, the main beneficiary of this clearly is going to get a lot of work, but similar question, Dave, you have any interest in Devin Singletary taking on the Ravens? 4,500 is his price on DraftKings. That's even cheaper than Leonard Fournette. And we know that Singletary doesn't have Zach Moss to worry about, or at least we don't, we think that that's going to be the case. So yeah, that, that will probably be an even more chalky pick than Leonard Fournette. And I might be okay with that. I, I like Singletary as far as just talent goes, and I think he's a good pass catcher. I think he's, he can be okay at making guys miss. I don't think he's a game-breaker to any degree, but when he gets a lot of work, we saw it late last season. We saw it in spurts this season. He's not bad. Just a matter of what they will do with their backfield because they just don't lean on their running backs very much, especially with what Josh Allen does, what he does at the goal line, what he does running the ball. So. Interesting to see what they do with Devin Singletary. And look, Zach Moss not officially ruled out yet, but it does not look good for him playing in the divisional round against Baltimore. And again, they did not have TJ Yeldon active. We'll see if he gets an opportunity to play. Maybe Aaron Williams as well, who did some nice things for them. In week 17. 17 victory yep. against Miami. A uh, couple of Rams notes to keep an eye on. Obviously, John Walford uh, left the game with a stinger in his neck. Jared Goff played through his thumb injury. Adam Schefter, according to him, uh, seen a tweet from him an hour ago. Uh, from what Sean McVay said, that Walford will be day-to-day and uh, Goff probably going to end up getting the start. So we'll see how he does. We'll talk about that game coming up. 
Cooper Cup has a knee injury, but it's not considered to be major, but something that they're going to have to keep an eye on. According to McVeigh, he's got bursitis of his knee, and the hope is to have him ready to go. That's a quote from Schefter quoting McVeigh. So hopefully Cooper Cup is out there, had another good game against Seattle. He just likes playing in Seattle, the Yakima, Washington native, going back to uh, his roots. So not a great game, but not a terrible game, given what uh, Jerry He got off to a great like. start in the game. I'm sorry? He got off to a great start in the game. He had a lot of big plays early. Yeah, I mean, he had uh, the first catch from Jared Goff. It wasn't a pretty game for Goff throwing the ball again. We'll talk about that coming up in yep. a little bit. Uh, we'll see if Latavius Murray is able to play. He left the game against the Bears with a quad injury. He did score on a reception. Uh, Deshaun Watson is unhappy. Uh, Dave, do you see the Texans trading Deshaun Watson at this point? He's clearly not pleased with the uh, lack of involvement in the hiring of their new general manager, Nick Cesario. Yeah, and I think that's just part of the problem that he's got with the franchise, but the franchise holds all the cards here, and they would need an just a ridiculous offer to to give away Deshaun Watson. I, I'm I saw somebody that said three first round picks, three second round picks, and a player all for Deshaun Watson. That that's a lot. And I don't think there's a team in the league that can necessarily offer something like that. Oh, there's one for, for Watson. There's, there's one. one. Who's the one? It's just a matter of what their interest level is in this quarterback. But if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I say here's Tua, your first that you gave us for Laramie Tunsil, which is third overall. Our first so essentially you're getting three first round picks when you factor in what Tua was last year, and then you throw in another first or a second on top of that to see if Miami's willing to do that. So Whoa, to so, to pay, so, oh yeah, that's a serious overpay. Is it? But is I don't it know if it's an overpay. overpay. If you feel say you're it again, could you say it again? It, it's Tua right now in Miami, then you make that type of offer. Well, say give me the offer again. It's Tua. It's the two the first that they have pick. this year. Okay. So it's three. I forget where their pick is at the back. I don't know if it's settled yet. What well, right, right, right. And uh and Tua. So those two first-round picks plus Tua. Yep, and then probably something else on top of that. You know, maybe they get, they give them a second next year and they get a third back or something along those lines. If you feel you're ready to go, then you go out and get Deshaun Watson. You know what? That, that would be an offer I think they'd have to think about. It really comes down to how their new coaching staff feels about Tonga Vailoa and whether or not right. they think they can work with him. Right. I mean, you don't want to uh, write that. You're yet, right. But. That, that would be an offer that I think they'd have to – so seriously consider, but you're essentially I, getting three first round picks plus whatever that fourth pick would be. Right. So well, Dave, what it. does the trade I chart it. say? <laughs> it, it, I'm telling you, it comes down to That's how they Johnson really <laughs> view a tongue of Iloa. If they think tongue of Iloa, if, if they saw what he did with the dolphins and go, ah, he's, he's, he's not that great. Then there's no chance they would do that deal. Yeah. Just something to consider. Obviously we got to see what happens with Sean Watson. I'm sure if uh, you're the dolphins, do you offer that? Again, if you're, if you're Miami and you're not sold on Tua, which clearly there's some questions, if you're not letting him finish games and you have to bring in a relief pitcher and you have the opportunity to get one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, contract matters because he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, highest paid players in the league, and you're giving up you know, a big portion of what you acquired, mostly from the Texans. Uh, but you <laughs> yeah. know, at the same time, if you feel like, okay, we are a quarterback away because of what we've built, he gets us there faster than Tua then you got to consider making that type of trade. But I think I I think they're you're on the right path. I just I'm not sure if the Texans would take it. If I'm the oh, dog, I, 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 I think the Texans trading Deshaun Watson at this point is going to have to take probably more than what we're, you know, considering here from mm -hmm. the Dolphins. But anyway, something to keep an eye on this offseason is Deshaun Watson for those of you in dynasty leagues. You obviously I think would like to see him end up in a situation where he gets some receivers that will help him, but he was great even without Will Fuller down the stretch and without DeAndre Hopkins for the entire season. Uh, Chase Young suffered a mild ankle sprain. He said he would have been able to play if Washington had advanced, so just something to keep an eye on there. And then ESPN's Chris Mortensen reporting Doug Peterson's status as the Eagles head coach is not firm. So we're going to find out over the next few days, I'm sure, if uh, Doug Peterson will be back with Philadelphia. You have a lot of coaches uh, interviewing for jobs around the country. Urban Meyer met with the Jaguars. That's something to keep an eye on there. Arthur Smith, again, keeping an eye on that one as he goes and interviews with the Jets and the Jaguars, so we'll have some coaching news for you throughout the week if something does happen um, with any of these new hires or potentially a firing if the Eagles do move on from Doug Peterson. All right, Dave, let's get into the games here. So we'll start with the ones from Sunday, and let's do this. I'm going to give you uh, the game. You give me your favorite takeaway from each team. So let's start with Baltimore 20, Titans 13. Your takeaway okay. from the Ravens is what? Takeaway from the Ravens is J.K. Dobbins is still scoring touchdowns, but still isn't being given the workload that I think we all want him to get. I don't think he necessarily played that great, especially early on against Tennessee. 
And I, I thought the Titans defense really played well until Lamar Jackson had that unbelievable scramble for a touchdown. Yep. 48 yards really in the second started, quarter. Ugh, they really, they really started to fall apart then. Dobbins is someone who I think is going to be polarizing in fantasy drafts next year. We've already seen him go. Um, did he go late round two in the half PPR? Was that me who took him in late round two, or did I get him in early round three? I, yeah, I somewhere in the in the in the top thirty picks he went. Yep. So, and that's where he's been going. I wonder what would need to change for him to be solidly inside the top twenty four. I just I love the talent, and I really like the spot. And I I know that it's hard to see him being like a, a thirty or forty catch guy, but I think he can make up for some of that with touchdowns if. Greg Roman stays on as the play caller there. If they add a couple of other wrinkles when they get their offensive line back at full strength, I just, I, I want them to give him 15 touches minimum a game. Give it to him. He's good. He's awesome. And JK Dobbins has a chance to be like one of the next great young running backs in the NFL. Seven straight games. He scored a touchdown, including the playoffs, eight touchdowns overall over that span. But like you said, he had nine carries for 43 yards and the score one catch on the game. Uh, had negative six yards on the reception. Look, it was a little Lamar Jackson show. I think that was going to be the case because he wanted to get his first playoff win and prove that he can do it. Uh, 16 carries, 136 yards, and a touchdown for him. Didn't throw the ball very well, which is a little surprising given how Tennessee's defense has played the majority of the season. 17 of 24, 179 yards, and an interception for him. I was excited by Marquise Brown. I thought he would play well coming into the game. He's now had two back-to-back strong playoff games, over 100 yards against the Titans. We'll see how he does against the Bills. Seven catches, 109 yards on nine targets for him. So he continues to make plays down the stretch. And hopefully that's something that builds into next season as well as he enters his third year in the NFL, which could be a big-time breakout season for him. For the Titans, Dave, it was you know, a surprise to see Derrick Henry get bottled up as badly as he was. 18 carries for 40 yards, did have three catches for 11 yards. But aside from Henry, what do you think about the Titans' offense in this game? I thought it was all A.J. Brown. And you, you, if you didn't see the game and you see the stat box, you realize it was A.J. Brown. He had 10 targets, six catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he was dominating man coverage. There was there was something I wanted to do before the podcast, and I didn't get a chance to do it, was to see just overall in the year how he did man versus zone. But my guess is that he's good no matter what, and the stats that I have suggest that. All right, so if you have a minute, eight games this year with at least eight or more targets – 14 non-PPR, 20 or more PPR points in six of the eight, a touchdown in all those games as well. Four games with seven targets. He had at least eight non-PPR, 12 PPR points in each of them, 16-plus PPR points in two of them. And then he had two more games with at least six targets, and he had 15 PPR points and a touchdown in each of those games. They need to feed that man. He truly is a number one wide receiver. Uh, Love the physical way that he plays. Uh, has that my ball mentality and not necessarily like the high-end slot receiver type that I thought he might have ended up being. He truly is a number one guy. And if he if he gets target volume like this next year, then I'm not sure he's not a top five or six fantasy wide receiver, uh, assuming he plays 16 games. So let's just jump ahead real quick. He's one of our ranking debates for 2021, our early ranking debates. And again, these rankings are going to change. We did these uh, in week 17. So there's obviously some change of opinion, but you don't have AJ Brown right now in your top 12 for PPR. He's number 10 for me. Uh, let's see where Heath and Chris have him. Um, Chris has AJ Brown not ranked. Heath has him number eight. So Heath is the high guy on AJ Brown. So after watching this game, after doing some research, Dave, yeah, crack your top 12. He's going to. There's no way I can draft guys like T. Higgins and probably Mike Evans. I'd rather have the younger, hotter player. I know that the, the, when you think about the Titans offense, you think of Derrick Henry, you think of him hogging the ball, but I just laid out for you, even in games where he was getting six targets, he's doing great. And AJ Brown is going to continue to be that guy. We don't know what the future holds for Corey Davis. That means that they'll replace him in Tennessee. If he's not there, maybe he stays. We don't know, but I think AJ Brown is really just a phenomenal wide receiver. He really proved it this year. Everybody who had him on their fantasy teams, they know just how good he wound up being and how much they missed him when he had some games missed early on in the season. I'm I'm excited about A.J. Brown, and I think he should be considered a top-12 fantasy wide receiver. Yep, he's entering his third season as well. You mentioned Corey Davis. He's a free agent, so is John Smith. So we'll see if those guys come back to Tennessee. Davis did not have a great ending to his Titans tenure, if in fact this is the end. No catches on two targets, so disappointing finish for him for those of you that started him in DFS. 
or in any playoff challenge leagues. Let's move on to the next game. Saints 21, Bears 9. Your takeaway from the Saints, getting Michael Thomas back, getting Alvin Kamara back. Obviously, Thomas missed the final three games of the season with the ankle injury. Kamara was out in week 17 as he was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. How about Deontay Harris having a pretty decent game? And if you, if you had the foresight to start him in DFS, you probably did very well with that. And I wonder if that's going to continue happening where he's just kind of this short area outlet that's never going to get double covered. And we know he's got speed. He returns kicks and punts for the Saints. Uh, it, it, that was interesting to see. And I thought Breeze was, was mostly good in the game. Uh, you know, the couple of tip passes that could have been intercepted. There was one that looked like it was an interception, and then it ended up not being one. I, I think that he's going to continue to be good for fantasy purposes throughout the rest of the playoffs. I don't think he's going to be back next year. And it does put a little bit of pause into how I feel about Michael Thomas rolling into 2021. But it was excellent seeing him get into the slime zone. Mm. <laughs> the first player to be slimed on a touchdown on Nickelodeon's broadcast of the game. That was a cool graphic and uh, lost year for Michael Thomas. But I think he'll end up being a pretty damn good value in fantasy drafts in 21. Yes, he didn't play horrible with Taysom Hill in the four starts that Hill made. I think That's Thomas true. played three of those games. He was over 16 PPR points in two of them. So not horrible. And obviously, we have to see if Taysom Hill will be the Drew Brees, Drew Brees replacement. You would think that's the case, just knowing the way Sean Payton treated it this year. Uh, to go back to Harris, it was interesting to see that he tied for the team leading targets. Both uh, uh, Harris, Thomas, and Jared Cook all had seven targets in the game. The one I think that was a little frustrating to see was Emmanuel Sanders, who only had three targets in the game, mm -hmm. two catches for three yards for him. Cook had four catches for 40 yards. And Harris, like you mentioned, seven for 83. Thomas, five for 73. And the touchdown. So we'll see what happens with the Saints playoff run. They get the Bucks for the third time in oh, I the can't season. Wait. Uh, should be a fun game as the two 40-plus-year-old quarterbacks. Drew Brees will turn 42 this week. So both guys will be over the age of 42. Very interesting. Dave, do you know who the oldest quarterback is remaining in the AFC playoffs? The oldest quarterback remaining in the AFC Ben, playoffs. you can chime in, too, if you know this answer. I, uh, is, it, is it Baker Mayfield? I was going to go Baker. It is Baker Mayfield. He is older than Josh Allen, older than Lamar uh -huh. Jackson, and older than Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, Baker Mayfield is the oldest quarterback remaining. So you have three guys or four guys that are, I think, 26 and younger. That's on of the, the starters, side. right? You're, you're not counting Casey. guys have two guys in their 40s. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so they it's, can be it's a testament to how Brady and Breeze have taken care of themselves for sure. Oh, absolutely. And uh, again, like we'll like you said, and Dave, we'll see if. By the way, Alvin Kamara only two targets from Drew Brees. I thought Drew. Yeah, Brees that was, was interesting. To... You know, a lot of people on Twitter were like, "What's going on with uh, with Kamara with the passing game?" Um, I mean, game they play? played with the lead most of the game. You know, mm -hmm. who knows what they were? You know, their their packages were for Kamara. Uh, but good to see him grind out the twenty three carries, twenty five total touches. Uh, over 100 total yards. But yeah, the lack of work in the passing game was a little surprising. And Latavius Murray did score on a receiving uh, touchdown from Drew Brees. So we'll see. It's funny. You mentioned the the interception from Brees. Uh, my favorite prop that I that I gave on HQ over the weekend was Brees was uh, plus 210 at a half interception. So all he had to do was throw one. And so when he had the when he had the interception or, you know, called on the field, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that prop hit uh, because we know he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He did have mm -hmm. three in his last three games going into that game. Um, and then I was kind of uh, walking around the house doing stuff, and I saw the other interception. I was like, oh, there you go. Finally had one. It was Taysom Hill. It was Taysom Hill, right. Hill had Harris wide open on that play. Uh, Could have been a big touchdown if Phil had connected with Harris, but Harris was wide open streaking down the sideline. I wonder uh, if I wonder if all the Harris targets, Jamie, was because the Bears' secondary was all beat up, and the Saints were trying to take advantage of that. Maybe yep. that's really – and if that's the case, then I can't see Harris being that good this week against Tampa. Yeah, I'll have uh, updated playoff challenge rankings for the overall playoffs remaining, and then I'll update the rankings going into the weekend. But uh, uh, ranking Harris was interesting just because, again, you know, you see seven targets and, and knowing that um, they're not afraid to use him. And so we'll see what they do going into that matchup against Tampa Bay. Uh, for the Bears, Dave, we know Allen Robinson uh, heading into free agency. He gets six for 55. You mentioned uh, David Montgomery, the lack of work in the passing game, and who knows what they're going to do with the quarterbacks. It's just kind of like a wait and see with the Bears at this point. Their offense should look dramatically different in 2021. When, when Trubisky gets back to Hallis Hall, they're going to give him his new playbook. The first page of the playbook is going to say, go to O'Hare Airport. <laughs> page two is going to say, buy a plane ticket to any city other than Chicago. 
Uh, he's they how can't dare you disparage back. the Nickelodeon MVP. I, you know, I, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how Nickelodeon fan misses. voting, fan voting. <laughs> good for good for that. Look, the only the only parts of this offense I think are going to be there. I think Montgomery will be back next year, but he's going to split. They're going to bring in an, uh, Cohen's going to be healthy. They can have Tariq Cohen, and they've signed him to a contract. So that's your that's your battery at the run game for the Bears. Robinson could get franchised, but the Bears aren't in great cap shape. They're in better shape than a lot of other teams. And they've got some good complimentary receivers. Mooney, I think they they definitely missed Arnell Mooney on that throw to Javon Wims that Wims just straight up dropped right through the – it's like he made a hoop with his arms and Trubisky swished. So uh, that would have been a play where Mooney would have caught it and had a touchdown, and that could have changed the whole tenor of the game. Anthony Miller just getting ejected for doing something stupid. That's ridiculous. I I I'm I think the only guys in this offense I think we can for sure say will be back are Montgomery, but to a lesser degree, Cole Komet to a greater degree, and Mooney should still be at worst the number two receiver in that offense. Maybe he'll be the number one, but I don't know if I think that he'd be great. And we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be, and we don't know who the coach is going to be, whether they keep Nagy or they move on to somebody else. This is a a, a team that a lot of people in fantasy are going to fade for obvious reasons. Yeah, aside from Montgomery and, and Cohen as well. well. We'll get into where those guys were drafted in uh, uh, Tuesday's show, looking at uh, our first review of our PPR mock draft. We did a PPR mock draft and a half PPR mock draft, and Montgomery, I believe, was drafted in uh, either the second or the third round in both of those formats. So uh, we'll see how those guys are treated. Round in three and the half PPR. Huh? He was 33rd overall in the half PPR. If you give me five seconds, I'll tell you where he went in the full PPR. 35th overall. Chris took him. Thirty-fifth okay, overall, so mid to late third-round pick. For now, I guess that's okay. But when the rookie running backs start to come in, he'll get pushed down even further. He'll be a fourth yeah, round. Potentially, pick. I mean, close the season on a very high note, and so that's going to stick in a lot of people's minds. And again, we'll see what the rest of the offense looks like, the play caller, all those things. If things change, that could change for David Montgomery. Jimmy Graham may have retired after catching the touchdown, dropped the ball, ran right into the uh, tunnel. Uh, if that's the way he goes out, certainly, I'm sure. Uh, uh, a good memory for him catching the touchdown in New Orleans and uh, uh, not the not the uh, game outcome that he would have liked, but, you know, maybe the play that he would have liked. Nice one handed touchdown for him um, on a nice, uh, nice, nice play by Jimmy Graham. Not so much a nice throw from Mitchell Trubisky. All right. The big game on Sunday was the Browns upsetting the Steelers, getting their first playoff victory in 26 years. Uh, huge upset for them. Unbelievable. A um, lot of a uh, lot of turnovers from Ben Roethlisberger, four interceptions, despite the fact that he threw for 501 yards and four touchdowns. But let's start with the winning side of things, Dave. Uh, your takeaway from the Browns first time for Baker Mayfield going over 200 passing yards in six career meetings with the Steelers. True. And I, uh, I was mostly impressed with how the Browns didn't give this game away because you kind of had that feeling in the, in the third quarter that, uh-oh, here come the Steelers and they're going to make a run. And, and the Browns did enough to keep the Steelers at bay. Uh, and I thought Baker played well. He was poised. The fact that he was doing all this without his head coach, his play caller, he wasn't there. They had to use somebody else. The offensive line coach and the backup offensive line coach both weren't available to, to help. I think that spoke volumes, but really I thought the game was about just Pittsburgh making too many mistakes and the Browns taking advantage. And that's what good teams do. They take advantage of the turnovers that they get. And I'm pretty sure they're not going to get the same type of turnovers against Kansas city, but I wouldn't be surprised if they build on this confidence and give the chiefs a game where they're within one score in the fourth quarter. I don't think it'll be a blowout. At least at this point, I don't think it's going to be a blowout between the Browns and the Chiefs. I think the Browns are pretty good, and Baker deserves credit for what he did in a, in a really tough spot, but taking advantage of the situation given to him by the Steelers. I think the uh, opening line might be Chiefs uh, by eight. So we'll see how that goes. for. Uh, That's a good line. Settles, but, That's know, a good line. They, they can't make it lower than seven. Because yeah, so everyone will jump on that. the Chiefs, unless they think that the Browns will win or something yep. like that. Uh, Kareem Hunt gets two touchdowns. Um, Nick Chubb gets the one through the air. He had four catches. That was nice to see. So hopefully that's something that continues for both those guys. They continue to be productive. And Austin Hooper just continues to put up strong performances to close the season and give you something to think about for the 2021 campaign if you're looking for a late-round tight end because the way that he finished is certainly encouraging uh, based on 11 targets. more PPR points in his last four games, including the playoffs. For the Steelers, we have a lot to keep an eye on this offseason. James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, both guys heading into free agency. So we'll see what Pittsburgh decides to do with those two options. Uh, Chase Claypool has two touchdowns on seven targets. 
Deontay Johnson, another strong game for him in PPR, 11 catches, 117 yards on 16 targets. Obviously, the Steelers were throwing the ball all over the place in this game as they were chasing points. And Eric Ebron, seven catches for 62 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. So Roethlisberger says he's coming back. We'll talk about this team a lot throughout the course of the offseason. But Connor, somebody keep an eye on. Juju, somebody keep an eye on. Steelers are in some cap trouble, and they may have to let go of those two guys in particular. What do I you want think? to talk to you about Grammarly. Oh. There's more to clear effective communication than just catching spelling mistakes. Grammarly Premium gives you real-time feedback and insights to help you elevate your writing through tone, word choice, clarity, and more. If you're giving a speech, writing cover letter, or writing an article, could be anything. If you want to communicate more effectively, use Grammarly. I use Grammarly to communicate with my kids' teachers. We know it's a different kind of school year. You're trying to get in touch with your teachers. And the last thing you want to do is make a mistake to a teacher. My gosh, Grammarly helps you in that regard. They clean up all your mistakes and they make sure everything is on point. So Grammarly gave me vocabulary suggestions, which are helpful. I particularly like the clarity suggestions, which makes your sentences clear, concise, and crisp by cutting out unnecessary words and redundant words. Grammarly Premium also has advanced suggestions on grammar, punctuation, sentence structure, and style. Elevate your writing with 20% off Grammarly Premium by signing, signing up at Grammarly.com slash FFT. That's Grammarly.com slash FFT. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium at Grammarly.com slash FFT. All right, Dave, let's go now to the games on Saturday. You had Buffalo 27, the Colts 24. You said it was an exciting game. I thought Indianapolis hung tough and nearly pulled off the uh, upset there at the end. But for the Bills, another big game for Josh Allen. He becomes the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for over 300 yards, to rush for over 50 yards, and to complete 70% of his passes. He was at 74% completions. He's continuing to have just an unbelievable season, and it's going to be fun to see him take on Baltimore. I'm sure the last thing they wanted to see was Cleveland pull off that upset because they probably would have rather faced Pittsburgh as opposed to placing – to opposed – I'll get that up. I need Grambley's help. Opposed to facing Baltimore, uh, knowing what the Ravens' defense brings. But just how impressive was Josh Allen? He was great. He was he he continues to just prove that you can become a more accurate passer once you get to the NFL. And you talked about earlier when we mentioned Devin Singletary being the lead back for the Bills. This is his offense. It revolves around him, and he's earned it. And he keeps doing a great job. Stephon Diggs had a great game. Uh, Davis had a Gabriel Davis had a huge game. I, I, I look forward to seeing John Brown finally come back next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah John Brown I, I know he played, but th- that, that was a little disappointing, right? The fact that he didn't have a catch. He ran was... uh, forty routes on his four on Josh Allen's forty-one dropbacks uh, and did not have a catch. So yeah, four targets. Uh, I'm sure he'll be a little bit more involved, but this kind of goes more to the storyline. It's typically we talk about on the other side when Cole Beasley and John Brown have been active together. Beasley's usually the one that has suffered, but this time it was Brown who suffered with Beasley coming back because Beasley was trying to play through that leg injury. He looked a little uncomfortable, but had seven catches for 57 yards. So, you know, that's a go-to option for Josh Allen as he's trying to get the ball out quick. And look, we know the strength of the Colts. It's their front seven, their front four, and not necessarily their secondary. But uh, it took a little while for Stephon Diggs to get going. He didn't have most of his production until the second half. But it's true. It's really fun to see this passing game taking on that Baltimore defense, especially with the secondary for Baltimore, still having a little bit of trouble getting through some injuries. For the Colts, it's going to be an interesting offseason for them as Philip Rivers has a decision to make, if he wants to come back, if the Colts want to have him back, uh, we'll see about T.Y. Hilton, who heads into free agency, another bad game for him outdoors. So just continuing really what his career has been, plays great indoors, plays great at home, struggles outdoors, struggles on the road. So another disappointing game for him. Jack Doyle had a great game, seven catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. going to be really interesting to see what Mark Andrews does against this defense for Buffalo, because typically they've been great against tight ends, but the combination of Doyle, and Trey Burton and Mo Ali Cox had a huge game against this defense. So we'll see how the Ravens decide to attack this Buffalo defense using their tight ends. But we'll get into John Taylor in a, in a little bit as one of our rankings disputes. But just another strong game for him in terms of his overall production. 21 carries, 78 yards, and a touchdown and two catches for six yards for him as his rookie campaign comes to an end. But a very strong rookie campaign in 2020. Rams 30, Seahawks 20, Dave. Uh, I mean, we kind of talked about the Rams a little bit. I don't know if there's anything more to say outside of this. Cam Akers now put himself in that round two, round three discussion with how he performed. 28 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown, two catches for 45 yards. It's now four of his last five games, over 22 total touches. I think he has, and and maybe he should have been even before this game, but maybe it's just the fact that he had a high ankle sprain in week 17 and he played and he didn't have good numbers, but the fact that that we got one more game at least one more game, I should say, to, to see him 
play really well. I, I think that the Rams coaching staff is sold on him being their main guy at this point. You know, Daryl Henderson has had some flashes more than just a few this year. He's certainly improved. Malcolm Brown's really just a guy. I think Cam Akers really could be that guy for LA, their best back and the guy that they lean on for 20 touches a game. And there aren't a lot of running backs that you can find let, let me ask you in this. round two uh, that get 20 touches per game. Let me ask this. Would you rather have Cam Akers or David Montgomery? Akers. That's easy. Would you rather have Cam Akers or Antonio Gibson? I think I'm going to end up saying Akers on that one. Interesting. I'd probably go Gibson as now, but uh, it's going to be close. Those, those two are close. I, I agree with you. I would take both over David Montgomery, but uh, we'll see. You know, I don't think Daryl uh, Henderson is completely going away. So something to keep an eye on this offseason as Akers did not play, excuse me, Henderson did not play in this game. He's on IR with that uh, ankle injury. For the Seahawks, it was a uh, disappointing finish for Russell Wilson, 174, two and one, four carries for 50 yards. It's going to be very polarizing with him. So let me ask this one, Dave, just to tie in the Aaron Rodgers conversation. Would you rather have Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? I believe when I sent in my rankings, I had Wilson ahead of Rodgers. Obviously, that's something that's going to take a long look because Russell Wilson did not look like himself at all in the second half of this season. And during the year, I, I pontificated, hey, maybe it's because Tyler Lockett doesn't look okay. Well, Lockett looks pretty good over the last couple of games. So what is it? What is it that about Russell Wilson that's changed? Did he hate that the coaching staff decided to lean on the run game a little bit more? And, you know, did he lose confidence from because of that? Because he was rolling early in the year. He was averaging 37 passes a game. And in the second half of the year, it was closer to 30. I, I'm curious to know what happened to Russell Wilson. It, it's worth a long look this offseason because he's one of those guys that's going to end up being a good value pick in fantasy. Everybody already can't wait to draft DK Metcalf. And if, if he's that guy again in, in 2021, he's going to be a disappointment. And he's someone that I think fantasy managers would probably want to avoid. So I, I I'd like to know what happened. And if you have any insight on it, Jamie, I'd love to hear it. Oh, but. I mean, they were losing games. You know, it, it was, it was, he was playing great. He was playing at MVP level, but they started to struggle a little bit and they couldn't run the ball. And I think the defense was not playing at the level that they hoped. And the thing I think that was frustrating for me and having some conversations with some people over the weekend about this is that you had the defense coming along and it's almost like the coaching staff didn't necessarily marry the two. Like we could still play at this umptempo level and not necessarily have to be this ground and pound type of team like we used to be and not to protect our defense. Their defense was, was, was starting to play better to the point where they could throw the ball a little bit more and be a little bit more of that uptempo offense and play at the level that they were playing at when Russell Wilson was having those MVP numbers. Part of it also was the way the schedule unfolded. They played some miserable defenses to start the season. I mean, you know, you go back to Dallas, Atlanta, you know, those were terrible secondaries at the time when they faced them. And so Russ was also playing in these shootouts. So I think just let him lean on what the strengths of this team, this team is, which is DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, not that Chris Carson's bad by any stretch, but I think at this point, the passing game is the better option for what they need to do. And if they throw the ball a little bit more, maybe come out with a little bit more bounce slanted that way, as opposed to where they ended up where it's slanted toward the run game. It just was a frustrating finish, you know? So I think the defense has turned the corner You know, we'll see what they do in terms of the off season. But right now I think they got to put the ball back in Russell Wilson's hands because you saw how bad this offense looked from, when they tried to run the ball to the level that they did. From your lips to Pete Carroll's brain. I'm just nervous that that won't happen. And that Pete Carroll's yeah, going to say, Nope, too bad. I want to run the football. And I'm looking at our, stuck our in quarterback. Too bad. It's too bad Chris Towers is not here. Next time he's on, we'll ask him about this. But he has Russell Wilson fourth. You're the next highest guy on him at seven, which is surprising because Heath is usually very high on Russell Wilson. He and I both have Russell Wilson at eight. The guys for me after Russell Wilson, I know you said you might switch Rodgers, but I just don't think I could draft him or draft these guys ahead of him. Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill, and Joe Burrow. I just don't think I'm there yet. So Russell Wilson still is going to be kind of like that bridge of the safe guys. And the upside guys versus the maybe those guys have huge upside. So we'll see how it goes for Russell Wilson. Some 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 uh, a guy that we'll spend a lot of time talking about this offseason. Are you interested to know where he went in our drafts? I'm sorry. Are you interested to know where he went in no, our? No, no. We'll talk about that. We'll save that for when we get into the draft right, uh, about right. the quarterbacks because that's going to be uh, you know something we can we can talk about later. All right. So you had the Bucks and the Washington Football Team last game. We'll talk about from Super Wild Card Weekend. Bucks win the game 31-23. We talked about Leonard Fournette and just what the upside could be for him. 19 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Four catches, 39 yards. Go back, listen to the start of the show if you're interested in what we think about him for DFS taking on the Saints. Mike Evans plays through his knee injury. 
six catches, 119 yards on 10 targets. Chris Godwin, five for 79 and touchdown, 12 targets. And Antonio Brown, two catches, 49 yards and a touchdown on three targets. We'll spend some time talking about the Bucs this week. But Dave, in terms of the Washington football team, just another one of these teams that have a lot of question marks going into the offseason. Especially a quarterback. And Alex Smith, I'm sure, would like to play one more season. I'm not sure if his body will let him. And I'm almost certain that the coaching staff is going to look for a younger solution at quarterback. Heineke, give him credit. 300 yards is great, but I don't think he's their guy long-term either. So I'm real curious to see what Washington does this offseason to improve their passing game and hopefully give Terry McLaurin uh, a, a great passer to go with him because he's still got just great talent. I know six for 75 isn't what everybody wanted. Um, he, they, everybody probably wanted what, what Cam Sims ended up having in the game. But it is what it is, and, and I still think McLaurin is going to be an excellent receiver next year. And Gibson's going to be another one of those guys that uh, you look at how he finished 2021, or 2020 rather, and he didn't have that bombastic performance, and we don't know how hurt he was playing. But I, I still love his potential. I still think he could be a very good running back for Washington a year under his belt now, an offseason program with the team. Hopefully it's a normal offseason. Uh, Gibson could end up being very, very good for fantasy and a good value in that round three-ish range. Yeah, he even said, he goes, uh, not a bad rookie season for a guy who only had 33 carries coming into the NFL. So I saw that with his uh, exit interview with the media, uh, Ben Standick of The Athletic reporting that. So it's going to be fun to rank Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, some of these other running backs, uh, David Montgomery as well, heading into the offseason. Chris actually has Terry McLaurin inside his top 10. And so, Chris, uh, we talked about this on Fantasy Football Today in 5. You can check that out. Chris saying that uh, the upside for McLaurin with hopefully a better quarterback situation will huge one to see as well so i think when you talk about you know you have uh, t higgins is one of the guys you have ranked when you compare aj brown terry mclaurin you know some of these other guys are going to be in that probably 10 to 15 maybe 10 to 20 range it's a great year for wide receivers once again going into 2021 with how some of these rookies performed justin jefferson in particular so it's going to be fun to see where terry mclaurin ends up getting drafted and certainly what the upside could be chris has mclaurin uh number nine he's the only one to have mclaurin ranked in his top 12. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now when we come back and get into a couple of rankings disputes. Can Jalen Hurts be a top 12 quarterback? We'll tell you about that next here on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. All right, Dave, let's get into some rankings disputes here. Again, these are our early rankings for 2021. You can see the full rank list on cbssports.com. It's myself, Dave, Heath, and Chris. Uh, we have all of our rank lists uh, sorted by position, also our top 12 overall. But Jalen Hurts is an interesting one. Uh, I have him ranked number nine. Like I said, he's kind of the, the bridge uh, on the other side of the bridge from Russell Wilson of the guys that have a ton of upside, at least in my opinion, versus maybe Wilson, who's a little bit safer. You don't have Jalen Hurts ranked in your top 12. Now, I don't know if that's taking into account the situation or just not projecting ahead that Hurts is a starter. But tell us your thoughts on uh, Jalen Hurts uh, for 2021. I don't think it's a guarantee that he will be the starter for Philadelphia. But let's assume I, that he is. Let, let's let's take well, that. Well, well, if we if we assume that he is, look, I'm 14th, so it's not like I I'm completely trashing him. And I get why you're drafting him at nine. You're going to come to a point in your fantasy draft where you're going to draft for upside, and he's going to be one of those players that goes around pick 100, maybe even a little bit later than that, where you're going to see running backs, receivers, and tight ends, and go, these guys don't have league winning upside. Jalen Hurts does. And I get that. And maybe he does creep into the top 12 for me eventually, but I didn't like what he did as a passer. I thought that there were too many bad throws or, you know, purposely thrown out of bound passes when he was under pressure. I do agree that the offensive line will be better in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I also think that they will try and get that run game going a little bit more. And it'll help that Hertz is there because he is a rushing threat. We saw that a little bit from Miles Sanders when the two played together. But I, I'm not sure how super reliable he will be on a game-to-game -game basis. Does he have league-winning potential? Yes. Could he also be a bum pick at pick 100 overall? Yeah. So 
it, it really comes down to what your strategy is for taking quarterbacks and whether or not you want that upside. I think he's got it. I think he's got some of that upside, but I think a lot of other quarterbacks have that upside too. Burrow is one of them. I think Taysom Hill has a chance to be one of them. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out in Philadelphia. 63 or more rushing yards in three of his first four starts. Uh, that's a nice floor. You started to see the passing numbers increase. Yes, there were some bad throws, but I mean, you know, for a guy that didn't have an offseason thrown into the mix late in the year uh, with that receiving core being as much of a disaster as it was, you know, hopefully that will improve as well. Uh, the offensive line getting better, I think it's going to help. And that's again, a we'll see what happens with Doug Peterson. But I think if you talk about what the upside could be for Jalen Hurts, he may be a top five quarterback if things continue to progress as they did. And as you saw, um, he was uh, uh, basically in his four starts, he was right around the top, a top 12 quarterback to close the season. So hopefully uh, they don't pull him for Nate Sudfeld anytime. <laughs> you and, took my joke away. <laughs> I was going to say, hey, uh, don't you remember? He got pulled. Uh, Saquon Barkley versus Jonathan Taylor. Now we spoke about this uh, recently, just about what I, I think your one of your changes may be in your yep. rankings moving Taylor ahead of Barkley. But for now you have Barkley ranked ahead of, uh, of Jonathan Taylor. Um, your thoughts on when you first did this, why you had Barkley ahead? Pedigree more than anything else. Because we know, we, we've seen it from Saquon Barkley. We really haven't seen it in a while from him. It, I hope you don't forget about it, but he really does have an unbelievable skill set and traits that make him the type of league-winning fantasy running back you can take in round one. But we've also seen him deal with injuries each of the past two seasons. Whereas Taylor, kind of the new shiny toy in fantasy land and someone who it's pretty clear to me that the Colts are going to make him their lead guy. And that part of their offense isn't going to change. And their offensive line, even if Costanzo moves on, still really good, still good interior offensive line. They'll fix the tackle issue as well so that he won't be behind a, a bad offensive line. And I think he proved at the end of the season and in the playoffs just how great of a running back he can be. And maybe he doesn't have quite the ceiling of Saquon Barkley, because when you look at Saquon, I think the potential for 2,000 total yards is there. And I'm not sure if we can say that about Jonathan Taylor, but he doesn't have the floor of Saquon unless he just he suffers a terrible injury like Saquon has. I, I, I feel a little more comfortable going with the younger bull running back who I think is in a better situation with his team. Yeah, we'll find out. Obviously, quarterback's going to matter for the Colts, you know, in terms of what they do, what they do in terms of bringing back maybe Marlon Mack, who heads into free agency. If they upgrade that position, that's something to keep an eye on. You know, if it's just Jordan Wilkins, then I think you'll feel great about what Jonathan Taylor can be. If it's uh, Mack healthy, and we know that was supposed to be the split, do they give Mack more work than they gave Jordan Wilkins? Does Naheem Hines continue to be a problem for Jonathan Taylor? Uh, there was some talk, you know, Frank Reich said in his exit interview with the media that, They'd be comfortable moving Quentin Nelson to the left tackle spot. So does that now create a hole at left guard? You know, so uh, how does that sort of operate things for the Colts offensive line, just moving those guys around? So just uh, some things to keep an eye on. And I know Taylor's going to be polarizing. Uh, Chris has him, I believe, the lowest at 12, uh, 11, excuse me. Uh, Heath has him at eight. And so you and I are the only ones that have him as a borderline top five guy, depending on how things settle for Jonathan Taylor. Barkley is uh, three for Chris. He's the highest guy on Saquon. So hopefully he is back at 100% going into 2021. Hey, do you, do you think the Giants give Saquon the, the type of work that he had before? Or do you think they start to try and take a little bit off of his plate? Um, I mean, obviously Wayne Gallman showed them something if they want to stick with him as the complimentary guy. But I think the idea when they brought in Deion Lewis was to have a little bit more of a pass catching back to maybe take that off of Saquon's plate a little bit. But you know, if that happens, uh, they have to cover themselves, you know, I mean, just given what happened. Yes. You know, so do they bring back a veteran guy like a Devontae Freeman? Uh, do they stick with Gallman? You know, I don't I don't know necessarily what their offseason plans will be in terms of complimenting, complimenting uh, Saquon. But um, you have to figure that he's still the type of running back that the Giants would want to lean on heavily. And hopefully that's the case, which will make him still he's going to be a top five overall pick. I don't think there's a, there's any way around that if he's 100 percent. He's definitely a first round pick, you know, if sure. Any concerns? Uh, one more guy to talk about is Evan Ingram, who uh, you're the only one to have ranked in your top 12 at tight end. Uh, I don't have him in there. Heath doesn't. And Chris doesn't as well, uh, which is probably a little surprising, you know, given what his history and pedigree has been. But he's coming off a disappointing campaign 
in 2019. So Dave, why the faith in Evan Ingram as the number nine tight end for you? It's not a lot of faith. I figure that when you're looking at tight ends nine through 12, you're looking at guys who you're going to start the year off streaming anyway. Schedule is going to be a factor. And he, he was a nightmare for, for most of the year. So but why I still him think over Noah going, Fant? That's the surprising one to me. Because I think Noah Fant was a nightmare for a lot of this year too. He just happened to end the season stronger than Evan Ingram. I, I think it's really going to be about upside when, when you're drafting tight ends late. And it's the same argument that we can make for Jalen Hurts is what type of tight end can I take with a late pick who can give me at the very least a, a good start to this fantasy season and at the very most carry me through much of the year. And we have seen some good from Evan Ingram. And if the Giants really don't add to their receiving core this offseason, then he's going to be put in a position again to get some decent targets from Daniel Jones. All right, so you're taking right now Ingram over Noah Fant, Logan Thomas, and you have Kyle Pitts ranked in your top 12, so I'm sure that will uh, depend on where he ends up. For me, the guys that I have ranked ahead of Evan Ingram that are in my top 12, uh, Fant is seventh, uh, Gusecki, you both, we both have Gusecki ranked over Ingram, Hunter Henry as well, uh, Robert Tunyon, who I don't think you have ranked, so you would take Ingram over Tunyon as well. That's what I've got for now. All right, and then for me, one guy that I'm really excited about is Herb Smith. He's... Uh, He's number 11 for me. And then Logan Thomas is 12. You have Thomas at 11 behind Evan Ingram as well. So we'll spend a lot of time talking about these rankings. We'll spend a lot of time talking about what the uh, offseason means for them. But uh, just a little sample of what our top 12 ranking disputes are right now. Jalen Hurts, Saquon Barkley, told you about A.J. Brown. Go back and check out the uh, timestamp on that with the uh, Titans-Ravens breakdown. And then Evan Ingram, who was uh, another polarizing fantasy tight end that we'll spend some time talking about this offseason. Dave, great job. Uh, We'll be back again on Tuesday for our awards, looking at our first mock draft for 2021 as well. Thank you for listening to our Fantasy Football Today podcast. You got to go back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.